Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Back by no one's demand but our own and from our home office in beautiful Elizabeth Park in Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions. It is brought to you, as always, by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. I am your host. My name is Buck Rising. I am very happy to be back with you to discuss football after football has been played. This is my this is the best. This is this is no longer talking season like with SEC Media Days. This is no longer the time when we speculate about what teams will look like, who will go where, who will do what. We have actual concrete football that we can discuss. We will do so today with my buddy Gary Gramling, who works for the MMQB Sports Illustrated's NFL outlet there. He is a senior editor there. Gary is somebody who I've been working with for some time now. I really enjoy talking to my buddy Gary Gramling. So without further ado, we will get to that conversation. Back here on the 615 Sessions, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports, Nashville.com. Buck Rising hanging out here with you. Pleased to be joined by one of my favorites. Always welcome here on the 615 Sessions. He is Gary Gramling of Sports Illustrated. You can check out the podcast that he and Andy Benoit and Albert Breer and Jenny Ventress and Connor Orr, you guys have a rotating cast of characters now as a part of the SI NFL MMQP podcast. Rate, review, subscribe wherever it is you get your podcast. Gary, appreciate you hopping on the new pod. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, Buck. And, and yeah, we got the rotation now, so uh, I'll be fresher late in the year for once. <laughs> Listen, it's 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 always good to have a strong bullpen. Unfortunately, we are not as deep here at A to Z Sports, <laughs> so everybody, the good no. people are stuck with me on a regular basis. Uh a very exciting week one after we got through the opener. Packers-Bears was a bit of an offensive atrocity. And I know people in Nashville were celebrating Matt LaFleur not scoring 30 points a game because there's some kind of weird <laughs> hatred of him here now that he has spurned the Tennessee Titans for one of the best jobs in professional football. Uh, but the the biggest surprise for you, Gary, coming out of week one, because there was a handful of them, what, what most shocked you now that we've seen the oh, full slate? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm going to uh, I'm going to disappoint a little bit with the answer. Uh, I wasn't shocked by anything. I, I, I was, I guess, I was shocked at how bad the Dolphins were and and the lack of adjustments in that game. I have rewatched it today, and it's just. Uh, uh, it is shocking. They, they, they played Lamar Jackson as if he was a wildcat uh, running back or something, which makes no sense because even last year, if you watch the tape, uh, you know you, you could say Lamar had his limitations as a passer, but uh, he was capable of throwing the ball. This wasn't Ronnie Brown taking uh, the direct snap and then running that offense, and that's what the Dolphins treated it as. It just made no real sense. Uh, certainly the most pleasant surprise to me was, was, uh, was Oakland, and probably Oakland's defense, and I think – in the same way that we might look at Lamar and say, well, 
turns out it was just the Dolphins. He's not quite uh, at that level right now. We might look at the Raiders defense in a couple of weeks and say, hey, you know, that's, that's, uh, they took advantage of Joe Flacco and the Broncos. But uh, that defense on paper is, is pretty bad. But they looked, uh, they looked pretty good on, on Monday night. I'm not going to say great, but uh, they looked like a uh, average to slightly above average defense. And that's a big leap from where I thought they'd be. See, now, Gary, I, I was surprised by what I witnessed in Cleveland. I, I, we went up for the game, Titans at Browns, and I had been saying in, for, to anybody who would listen to me, uh, unfortunately, I have enough platforms to where there are a fair amount of people now that have to, <laughs> to listen to me gas bag on a regular basis, but anybody who would listen to me, I was saying that this is a game, the opener for the Browns, this is a game that the Titans as a franchise exist to ruin for a team with a bunch of hype like the Browns. They did it against the Eagles uh, last year here in Nashville. They did the same to the Patriots, and everybody started talking about Tom Brady showing signs of age. They did it on Monday night against the Cowboys and Troy Aikman after that game, not because the Titans played well, but because the Cowboys looked so poor, was talking about Mm -hmm. blowing up the entire organization. I, I was shocked, though, that they won by 30. I have not seen a Titans team score 40 or more points in the entirety of the four years that I have been living in Tennessee. Did not, that did not surprise you at all, the result of that game. The certainly the the uh, the margin of victory. Uh, I really thought. I, I think the Titans. Uh, I, I think the Titans are are an overlooked team. They're always overlooked. I mean, it's it's just not. Uh, uh, you know, they're not on Sunday Night Football a lot. It's it's not a it's not a huge market. This isn't the Dallas Cowboys here. Uh, they are an overlooked. They're an underrated team. I, I think they're right there. I think that's a really interesting three way race in that division. But I thought neutral field. If you had Titans Browns. I think that's a pick 'em game. I think those are two very evenly, uh, you know, they have different strengths and weaknesses, but those are, that's an even matchup right there. And when you factor in the Browns just constant implosions in that game, and then the personal foul penalties, and, and the, the sloppy play, and the fact that uh, their already bad offensive line lost their left tackle, who maybe isn't very good either, but, uh, you know, it, it all kind of added up. If you told me the Browns were going to have 180 yards for the penalties and have Greg Robinson ejected and you know maybe 30 points is still too much to uh, uh, to expect at that point, but uh, I would have said the Titans probably win that game handily. It was it was surprising to see how disorganized they look. I mean that I think by the end of it they had 18 penalties for almost almost 200 yards worth of penalties yeah. uh, by the end of that game. It was it was one of the 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 sloppier games that I've certainly witnessed, but they just look to be look to be disorganized. Does does this, in your opinion, does this speak to Freddie Kitchens? Does this speak to the 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 amount of personality that now exists in that locker room? What 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 can we make of the Browns and what they did or were unable to do uh, on Sunday against the Titans? I, I think in a general sense, I, I think the penalties do fall on the head coach, uh, especially the, the, the kinds of penalties they had. I mean, there, there are penalties you, you have when uh, uh, a guy lined up across from you is better and you have to hold him or something like that. Uh, these, these were so many just self-inflicted wounds here for the Browns. Uh, it's, you know, it, 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 it's, a, it's a team that appeals to the fantasy football owner and all of us. They just, that offensive line is bad. I still have questions about that defense. 
because, uh, you know, as much as you love Miles Garrett, I think their linebackers have been uh, just so erratic over the years. I, I just think it's a team that's going to give up points. And, uh, you know, <laughs> they, they couldn't block Cameron Wake. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if you'll, you'll see that from Wake all year. I, I think he's still a good player, but they made him look like a defensive player of the year candidate in that game. I, I don't know. I, I, I thought going into the season this Browns team is a year away from even being mentioned as a Super Bowl contender. I, I think they could still sneak into the wild card conversation, maybe steal that division, depending on what happens with Baltimore and Pittsburgh. But uh, I, I just this this team's not ready for a, for a, a title run just because they added uh, you know everyone's favorite fantasy football players. It was certainly reflected in their Super Bowl odds uh, with Vegas. They got kneecapped after they lost to the Titans uh, on Sunday. Gary Grambling of the MMQB over at Sports Illustrated is here with us on the 615 Sessions. Make sure you follow him at gramling underscore SI. Make sure you're listening to the podcast that he does with Andy Benoit and a variety of other characters wherever it is that you find your podcast. The MMQB podcast is what it is called. Gary, I, I look at what we saw play out in... Uh, in New Orleans last night in the first of the doubleheaders. And that was a fantastic game. It was good to have exciting, meaningful football back in our lives. And that really culminated last night before before the Raiders went on to beat the Broncos in the second of those games. But the Texans, I, I can't, I, I know that they got immediately better with what Bill O'Brien did. Whether, whether you agree or disagree with what that will do to the long-term outlook of that franchise, uh, is an entirely different matter, but is there is there any sense that this is? I still think Deshaun Watson is the most talented quarterback left in the division now that Luck is gone. Uh, is there a sense though that they are very, very, very close to the edge, and that this could go very poorly very quickly? Uh, I, I guess in the end, I don't think he could go more poorly than he did last year. Barring, you know, barring a Deshaun Watson injury, then they're completely sunk. But uh, their offensive line and their secondary, the, the two reactionary spots where you really, it, it's very difficult to hide a bad offensive line or hide a, a bad defensive backfield. They had both those things last year, and they still won a lot of games. And, and you, you know, you can say the schedule wasn't very good. They beat a lot of bad teams. But they won games was the bottom line. They won the division. Uh I think ultimately, you know, we'll look back on that Saints game and say, hey, you know, that Saints pass rush, they're pretty good. Uh, they're breaking in Tunzel in that game. I, I, I know he got sort of beat on a uh, on a play by Trey Hendrickson where I actually thought Hendrickson was offside. He, if he wasn't offside, he just got an amazing jump, and that just happens sometimes. Uh, there was another one where, you know, they had a, they had a blitzer and, and another rusher coming at him, and Tunzel sort of didn't know what to do with it. Uh, you know, it, it, I... I think they'll be good enough on the offensive line to allow Watson to to do his thing. I really wish they'd put more quick strike in to to help Watson stay stay healthy a little bit more and not get his uh his lungs collapsed oh, in as, he, so as he did a year him, ago. Gary, but my God, <laughs> I, it's like uh, the the thing that makes me most nervous about Deshaun Watson is I feel like more than and and every NFL player is like this to an extent, but when he smells the goal line. It's like he just can't help himself. He just he he uh, you know we saw uh, in the Monday night game he he ends up getting flipped head over heels, going over the pylon, lands on his back, and and uh, hopefully it's not a hopefully it's not a long term thing, but we'll see. But uh, that secondary looked better to me, despite the fact that they played way too soft on that final drive. And uh, I think they'll be okay on the offensive line. My, my biggest worry with the offensive line is 
I always think back to Dallas two years ago when Tyron Smith was out. They had Chad Green at left tackle. They had two Hall of Famers still on that line, but they had such a liability at left tackle, and Adrian Claiborne had that monster game that he made millions of dollars off of uh, uh, the next sacks, couple of years. I, where, where he, I mean, he, what was it? He had six, seven sacks in that game or yes. something like that. Um, and Adrian Claiborne is is a is a fine player, but not a guy who should <laughs> who should have six or seven sacks in a in most seasons. So uh, it's it's tough to cover up for a liability. I think they'll be better going forward, and I think because they'll be better, they'll be able to expand that offense a little bit more. But uh, I uh, my uh, again my my very quick elevator pitch for the Houston Texans is put more quick strike stuff in and just just let Deshaun get it out of his hands. It's what they've been trying to do with Marcus Mariota. It's it's difficult to try and to try and scheme out the competitor of those guys, though, because you talk mm-hmm. about Deshaun Watson's flip into the end zone. Marcus Mariota did the same thing in a damn preseason game here when they were playing against uh. the Patriots, and everybody Delaney Walker lit, told us that he walked up to him and said, "Don't <laughs> ever do that again." <laughs> it's just Honestly, it's crazy it's, it's that like they don't the- take better care of themselves. It's like don't even do that in the regular season. No, when when, when you get to January, maybe, but uh, but yeah. When last we spoke, Gary, it's been some time. We had you on the show in February, but the Robert Kraft news had just broken that day. Also, though, was the Antonio Brown situation where he was forcing <laughs> his way out of the Steelers. You know, I had to ask you one AB question with everything that's going on. Did you, were you surprised to see him end up? with the Patriots? Because to me, it seemed like an almost foregone conclusion. It was it was almost like a little too on point uh, in the end. Like when he went there, it was kind of like, oh, this is this is such an unoriginal ending to this uh, to this wild couple of weeks for right? Antonio Brown. So anticlimactic. But uh, uh, you know, my sense of how that played out was I, I know a lot of people are, are saying uh, you know oh, when the Steelers were shopping him, he was just he was always trying to find a way to get to New England. I think he knew New England was interested, and I think he would have played in Oakland if they did not strip those guarantees. If he knew he was getting his money, I think he would have stayed there. Uh, but once those guarantees got stripped away, he he wanted to get out, and he knew he could get out, and uh, he knew the Patriots would, would still be interested when, when, quite frankly, I mean, I, I honestly didn't know if he'd find another team after, uh, after everything that went down in Oakland. I I was I was shocked that it happened as quickly as it did, but it just like you said, it almost seemed it almost seemed too predictable that the Patriots would start sniffing around, and then then, then he would end up there uh, playing yeah. alongside Josh Gordon and Edelman out of the slot. I mean, that's lit- should, should we just cancel the season now, and should we just award a seventh Super Bowl to the New England Patriots? It's a, it's it's so wild because six weeks ago it was kind of like you know before Gordon was coming back and and obviously before AB here you were kind of looking at the Patriots and being like look that defense is as good as it's been in in like a decade here and then you got uh, you know more than enough to work with an offense that their run game is really good uh, you know certainly with with Edelman you can do the quick strike stuff with Edelman and James White uh, and it was kind of like you know they they are whether you like the Patriots or the Chiefs I think it was pretty obvious that those are your two front runners in the AFC. And to add two of the, I mean, easily five most talented receivers in the world to the roster after that, uh, for my money, I, I, I still think AB is one, and I'd probably put Gordon, uh, uh, put, put him at like four or something like that. We'll, we'll give Julio and Odell the edge. But uh, it's it's going to be wild. I don't know how you deal with that as a defensive coordinator where – 
you have to leave at least one of them in single coverage between Gordon Brown and, and Edelman. And I've, Brady's going to figure out who it is before every snap. And I just don't know how you counter that. They were here not not but a month ago, Gary, less than a month ago for joint training camp practices with the Titans. And I was looking at the wide receivers that were they were trotting out, and it was it was the the I can't even remember his name. I know he got caught cut and ended up with the uh, with the Jets on the practice squad, the little white slot receiver from Miami. Braxton no, not Braxton no, Berrios. No, Braxton Berrios. Yep. Yes, Braxton Berrios. And 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 Jacoby uh Jacoby the undrafted free agent. Again, I don't even remember these guys' names and I was looking at this and yeah. saying, "Yo, but they're they're still going to be fine. Like they'll win 10-11 games, nobody'll sweat it." And then Josh Gordon and then Antonio Brown and Edelman getting healthy. And it doesn't matter that they don't have a tight end. They can continue to trot 80-year-old Benjamin Watson out there and still go on and do the damn thing. Like it's it's just fascinating to me. It's 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 just so wild because I mean what what do the Patriots do? Patriots want to be able to do a different game plan every week. They want to be you know they they want to be able to be chameleons and 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 customize their game plan for every single game. That offense can be whatever it wants to be at this point. They can be you know they want to do power run one week they'll do it. They want to do quick strike one week they'll do it. If they want to emphasize the deep uh, the deep game like you saw a little bit in the uh, in the trouncing of the Steelers there there they'll uh, they'll do that. All those guys fit in. It's just, uh, uh, it is it is unfair. And really, uh, you know, is Josh Gordon going to be playing in January? Uh, you'd say maybe that's a coin flip proposition. Uh, as far as AB goes, I, I don't know. I, I think he got to where he wants to be. I think he sees another payday at the end of the season. I think he's going to be there. I think he's going to be well-behaved. And, and uh, I think they're just going to run away with it. It's incredible. He is our friend Gary Grambling, senior editor for the MMQB over at Sports Illustrated. You can follow him on Twitter at gGrambling underscore SI. You can hear him with Andy Benoit. You can also hear Connor Orr, Jenny Vrenches, uh, Albert Breer, and Jonathan Jones on the MMQB NFL podcast that drops on a regular basis. Monday through Friday now that the new season has begun and they have got the new lineup together with a variety of different content for you. It's an excellent listen. I try and get it as often as I can. Gary, appreciate it as always. It's always good to chat with you, my friend, and enjoy the season. I'm sure we'll chat again soon. You too, Buck. Anytime, man. Really, really appreciate Gary stopping by. Thanks to him for giving me some of his time. Uh, When we come back with you on Thursday, we will have a full Colts preview. Titans Colts the Eddie George retirement, Eddie George and Steve McNair jersey retirement ceremony, the home opener for the Tennessee Titans against the dreaded, hated Indianapolis Colts. Uh, We will do all of that on Thursday with former Colts coach Rick Venturi. He's somebody that I really enjoy. He has a really, really good breakdown of the matchup every time we speak to him. I've had him on several times uh, from when I was uh, previously working in radio, Coach Venturi uh, works for the Colts on their web. He's there. He's there. Uh, Coach Dave McGinnis. He doesn't do the radio broadcasts, but he is the one who does the Surface Pro breakdowns. He is their in-house consigliere uh, for the Colts and Colts.com. So he will join us on Thursday. Until then, I need you guys to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Leave five-star ratings. Leave positive reviews. If you guys have questions that you would like answered when we have guests on like we do with Joe Rexroad of The Athletic, with Jonathan Hutton of 104.5 The Zone and Titans Radio, Corey Curtis of News 2, Emily Proud 
also of WKRN News 2. Our friends, if you want questions answered, leave them in the reviews with a five-star rating, and I'll be sure that we get to those. So shouts to you guys who rate, review, and subscribe. So as always, this is Buck Rising reminding you to stay hot, Nashville. We will talk to you Thursday here on the 615 Sessions, brought to you by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville. Dot com.